It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. And welcome again, wrestling fans, to another episode of the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. My name is Jason Bryant, your host here with you, talking news, reviews, previews, and interviews. Today on the show, we are talking women and girls wrestling with Joan Fulp and Andrea Yamamoto of the USA Wrestling Girls High School Development Committee. It's a long name, but it's got an interesting theory behind it. It's about promoting girls wrestling at the high school level and beyond. First of all, welcome to the show, Joan and Andrea. Good to have you. Thank, Thank you. you. Great to be here. So the name Joan Fult might ring a bell to wrestling fans as it's half of the uh, the last name from the sister duo, formerly known as Sarah Fult Allen and Catherine Fult Allen. Uh, Joan, your late husband Lee was an Olympian, a coach, a trailblazer in coaching of both men's and women's wrestling. And before we get into what you guys are doing, I want to know a little bit about how how the sport of wrestling found you, and, and now years years later, you're, you're leading a charge for girls high school wrestling. Well, the sport of wrestling found me when I was coaching women's gymnastics at Central Michigan University, and the AAU had their summer junior world and world team camps at the university. I had left, semester was over, came back, and these guys had literally trashed my gymnastics room. All those Greco guys needed all the crash mats, and they needed the floor, and they needed everything, and I came back to run a series of girls' gymnastics camps. So I had to have my equipment back. So it was a little bit of a tug of war there. And from my understanding from three or four coaches, 
they drew straws to see who was going to come in and talk to me and and try to share the maps and Lee drew the short straw. So the rest of it's kind of history. You know, we uh, connected and, and from there I moved to California in 1978. So he was coaching out in California and just happened to be at Central Michigan for this camp. He was the senior world team coach at that time. Okay. So for uh, 77, 78, 79, and then he was uh, named the Olympic coach for 1980 for Greco-Roman. And at that time, they you know, completed, the, uh, completed the quad, and it was head coach for all those world teams from 77 through 79, and then the Olympic coach, right? Yeah. So we're going to fast forward now, and, and we're, we're, we're going to skip some of the, uh, the details about, uh, okay, all of a sudden now you've got two girls, and you've got a wrestling coach for a father and a gymnastics coach for a mother, uh, wh- where do you steer Sarah and Catherine at this point? I mean, how soon did, did wrestling really become an option? You know, my daughters, everybody said they're going to be gymnasts, and I used to say maybe they'll play the violin. <laughs> my husband, Lee, was such a low-key coach. Uh, anybody that knew him would tell you that. And he would just take them up to the wrestling room. I think the first time Sarah was maybe seven Catherine was maybe four or five and eight, somewhere in there. And Lee was Lee had actually uh, run the first women's world team trials out of Vallejo, California. That's how we met Andrea at the time. And from there, he was already pushing girls wrestling because he was at Skyline College and had quite a few women at that time that wanted to wrestle. So he was already promoting the sport of women and still coaching the Skyline uh, Junior College team here in uh, California, Northern California. And the girls just kind of drifted into it. I don't want to say drifted into it because if they wanted to go, they went up to practice. Maybe they went, you know, once every other week and they'd swing on the ropes and play. And he just let them naturally gravitate to it. Uh, A little bit of competition here and there because he was already pushing competition for the women at, at local high school and then also with the senior women. So, uh, it was just like if that was their choice and they wanted to do it, he was there. But he was never a guy that pushed him and said, you got to do this. So I remember Terry Steiner once uh, made a comment that he felt that was why they had been in the sport for so long, because they didn't have anybody that just pushed in and, you know, said, you've got to do this and this is your sport. He just let them choose. Now, Joan, you set this up perfectly to bring Andrea into the discussion. Uh, Andrea Yamamoto. <laughs> Maiden name, uh, Andrea Karsten's uh, multiple-time world teamer back in the, the early days of, of women's wrestling. Now, uh, Andrea, what do you remember about those early camps? I mean, it, does Joan have the timeline right for you? Yeah, no, she has it, she has it um, perfectly. And, in fact, um, you know, uh, I came into wrestling um, in high school uh, at Richland High School in Washington in the mid-'80s, and um, I think I just got – I got really, really lucky. I had an amazing coach with maybe just the passion or the vision to share wrestling with everyone that came through his wrestling room, including a girl. Um, And because of that opportunity, uh, he uh, had a relationship with Lee and Joan and was able to contact me about going to this world team trials. I stayed at their house. You know, he flew me down there. I stayed uh, in Joan and Lee's house and Catherine and Sarah were uh, like toddler and, you know, one is, one is watching uh, TV and the other, you know, is in a high chair at the table. And that experience uh, literally changed the, the course and pathway of my life. Um, I feel it's the defining moment in why I'm doing 
the work that I'm doing now. It's just a progression of, of that opportunity. And, um, and uh, you know, it's just a great moment for me. And, and everything from that moment um, really progressed uh, forward with women's wrestling. What do you think was the hardest part about wrestling? In, and you said you discovered it in high school, you know, in the mid-80s. What was the hardest part about being a girl wrestler in that era? Um, I think the hardest part at, at that particular time was how vocal people were um, about their feelings, about uh, me uh, being in their sport. Uh, this was also a time when we saw the rapid decline of collegiate uh, men's wrestling programs. Uh, so it was a particularly difficult time for wrestling as a whole. Um, and people were not shy about letting me know that they didn't appreciate <laughs> my participation. Uh, but I think uh, I always was able to realize that it wasn't really about me. Um, and I needed to go ahead and just keep moving forward, you know, uh, as much, you know, as I could. Um, I didn't get hardly any matches in high school. Almost everyone forfeited to me. Um, but I still loved the process um, of going in a training and competition and pr preparing for competition, even if I may or may not get a match. Um, I loved the lifestyle that our coach was uh, sharing with us. And, um, and uh, because of all that, I was able to take the opportunity, you know, to go to world team trials and, um, and continue forward. So, um, you know, along that way, there were people that, that came in and were very supportive. Um, and those, those handful of supportive people can really push you along when you have a lot of voices telling you that you're not wanted um, and that you shouldn't be here. So, We circle back to what you two are doing now, the uh, USA Wrestling uh, Girls High School Development Committee. Uh, as Joan was talking to me before we actually started uh, the episode, it, it, it had a couple different iterations of what the name was going to be. But, uh, uh, Joan, what, what is it? When was it started? And, and what's the general mission of this group? So, so, Jason, probably a good two years ago now, or actually in 2015, uh, we were working together. Terry Steiner had me on a few different committees promoting girls wrestling. And then we had the 215 Worlds coming up in Vegas, uh, kind of helped with that, uh, pulling together alumni since I'd been working with the, uh, the women for a long time. They pulled me in on that. And from there, Kira Berry, who was our women's team leader for 216, Said, you know, we got to push the high school. We got to get the high school going. So Andrea and I both kind of said, hey, we can do that. You know, we can start, you know, pulling out information and, and kind of charting the pathway. So we kind of took off with that. And it's been a good two years. And we probably spent the first six months till about fall of uh, 216 talking lots of hours, Jason, lots of conversations and, and thoughts as to what was happening, as well as pulling together numbers and stats and talking to different people, uh, a gentleman that's in charge of uh, wrestling in the state of Tennessee wrote a great letter about how they got started with just small numbers and, and sanctioned girls wrestling in Tennessee. We did a history on the six states and, and started pulling that together because we knew uh, Akira had actually said, USA Wrestling will put this on their website if you guys can you know, start pulling that together. So that's where we started working, and that was kind of our first goal was to – 
really crystallize some ideas and some thoughts and get those resources up. And that went up a year ago in April, so in 217 or April 17, uh, that uh, got put up on the website. So from there, you know, our mission truly is is to support athletes, coaches, state athletic associations in the process of how to grow girls wrestling. Now, not just for avoiding confusion, uh, you know, Sally Roberts has launched uh, Wrestle Like a Girl, which your daughter Catherine has been a part of. Uh, this is not officially tied. You guys do work together on a couple things, but this is a completely separate entity. It is. It is. Which, yeah. as 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 Correct. you were briefing me beforehand, I'm looking at like this. This is that's a good thing because we've got. It's not just one little group doing it. It's two organized groups uh, that have some synergy with them, but but working in in different areas. So. Uh, the the focus on the high school, as you talked about with Kiraberry, Andrea, you coach high school girls a lot, and you you've seen firsthand uh, what wrestling can do and and how well uh, young women can excel at this sport and, and really become you know you know players on the national scene now that the WCWA is moving into its second decade. But when you look at the mission, Andrea, what what, what makes you really want to get involved with this? The what gets me excited is that number one, I really see girls fighting for our sport. I see them fighting to get on the mat. I see them fighting to build teams. I see them fighting to bring people in, getting people to coach them. I see them fighting. I see them fighting for our sport, for these opportunities. And um, I am in a state that has a sanctioned scholastic wrestling for girls. Um, we have a girls division at our state tournament. We've enjoyed over 12 years of state championship every weekend. We can go to a girls' tournament. In some areas, they are actually having duels. So, you know, my state is a great example, along with the other uh, five that have existed. They're such great examples of what's possible. Um, And, uh, you know, we have such growing opportunities at the collegiate level. um, And so we need to start developing our scholastic um, girls' programs um, in wrestling so that uh, we can, you know, be compatible with what boys have. So um, I, I'm just so motivated by what these passionate wrestling people are doing. Um, I'm so impressed with the coaches, the parents, um, and also with some of the great leadership at some of these state um, athletic and activities associations. Um, a lot of them that we've been interfacing with are really, really positive about trying to um, grow opportunities for girls. And when we're growing opportunities for girls in wrestling, we are growing opportunities for everyone. Um, And so that vision that we've all had in wrestling that our sport really is for everyone, um, we're really starting to see uh, with the inclusion of girls, we're starting to see that vision become a reality. And we're starting to see all different you know, walks of life and people that I think our wrestling communities had a hard time reaching. I think we're starting to reach them through girls and women's wrestling. And it's just the expansion um, at the youth and high school level, the expansion at the collegiate level. It's just amazing. Um, we are, we are really growing our sport and um, this is, this is great. This is great work uh, that Joan and I are doing, and it's it's just it's great that we have the opportunity uh, to be able to to support all these people. When we look at the foundation of of teams, and when they started, I remember 
Uh, this coming up will be my 20th summer going to Fargo for the for the Cadet and Junior Nationals. And I remember, <laughs> I believe it was 2001 or 2002, I want to say early on of the year escapes me, but uh, I remember freelancing for the mat.com and, and I did a story on Mary Kelly, who was uh, at junior age wrestling against the boys and she had won a couple matches the year before at the cadets, including uh, wrestling one of our Virginia kids. And he had to come back and win, you know, he had to score late to win eight, seven as the first time I'd really seen uh, a really high level women's wrestler and then sitting there beating the boys at the national championships. And then, you know, I do a story on her and then the next year going into her last year as, as junior eligible, it's the first year of of girls wrestling out there in Fargo. And, you know, here's me in my mind going, okay, well, this girl's going to walk through it. And a girl from California named Melinda Ripley beats her in the finals. And, and I tell the story a lot, unfortunately, for Mary's sake. But that really kind of opened my eyes that, okay, you know, a girl I'd never heard of. And I followed wrestling pretty closely at the high school level. And, and you know, it, it showed me, one, the strength of, of girls wrestling nationwide. But two, Joan, you, you know this firsthand how well uh, California has competed at the age group levels, especially winning uh, co- countless medals. They lead all the medal counts at the at the cadet and junior level with women's freestyle. And uh, when we look at getting the state's sanction, the first two, Hawaii and Texas, where was the battle for California for you firsthand, Joan? Oh, Jason, <laughs> uh, that was a long battle. That was a long battle. You know, we talk about numbers, and one of the things uh, that we just, we, you know, just talked to the National Rules Committee and we said, hey, you know, states are getting started with small numbers, you know, with 100, with 120. They're starting to, to, you know, take action to support the girls and provide championships. In California, they did not officially sanction the state tournament until 2011. And we were fighting that battle at least by 2000. And there were 1,900 girls wrestling in California when they finally sanctioned. When I tell that number to other states, to uh, grassroots people, they just are like, they almost fall over because they think we'll never get there. You know, but I said, no, you know, you're, you know, states are taking action now. They realize girls need to wrestle girls and that's where we need to be. But it it was just a battle. It was 2006 when they did officially run a North and South CIF, that's our state, uh, California Interscholastic Federation championship. So they did put that in place. But we were already having, you know, uh, 16-person brackets in every weight, north and south. So there were a lot of girls wrestling in the state. It, it just, it was new. It just took a long time. Uh, Washington came in, Andrea, 2007, right? So they beat us out on that yeah. with a lot less girls wrestling. Yeah. And Andrea, what's interesting there, too, is uh, it wasn't just shuttle off, okay, you can have it. It's part of the Matt Classic, which, uh, you know, it's it people talk, oh, yeah. people talk about wrestling in Washington. And it's like, I, I've heard people tell me stories about, they don't really follow wrestling a whole lot anymore, but they make a point to go to the Matt classic every year. And for somebody who, who yeah. doesn't know what the Matt classic is, uh, Tacoma dome, I mean, mats upon mats upon mats, explain it for a first timer and then explain it to what it meant to have the girls wrestling at the Matt classic, which is the Washington state championships. Yeah, so Matt Classic, um, I really feel like the WIAA just made a decision that they were going to make their Scholastic State Tournament like a premier event. And um, so for every classification that we have, there's four mats down. So that you have, we have one AB, two A, three A, four A, and girls division. Four mats for each of those classifications are running simultaneously um, for, you know, Friday and Saturday, it's just 
it really is such a great, um, it's a great wrestling event. It's a great high school event. Um, I really appreciate that the WIAA um, has, has run it the, the, the way that they have to really showcase our female and um, our male wrestlers in our state. And um, yeah, it, 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 if, you're, if you're a college recruiter, it's one you're going to want to go see. If you're just a fan of wrestling, you're, you're going to want to go and watch these kids battle it out. They, they really have done an excellent job of putting on an, an exciting and, and uh, respected uh, wrestling tournament at the state level. Now, I guess I'll keep this with Andrea for now. And in terms of uh, styles of wrestling, you know, the the collegiate with the WCWA's freestyle, we have a, a good university uh, age group system, and, and these teams are building in events like the Schultz, the Bill Farrell universities into their college, their regular college schedules, in addition to uh, their events at, at, say, Oklahoma City or Campbellsville or up in Canada at Simon Fraser. Folk style or freestyle? Does that seem to be one of the biggest divides <laughs> through this thing? <laughs> well, you know, Joan and I have actually um, been kind of discussing the fact that the the formation of the WCWA and its rapid expansion of collegiate opportunities for women, they kind of had a, that visionary moment where it was like, well, what style are we going to choose? And, um, you know, if you're looking at a complete wrestling pathway from youth through high school, through collegiate and then the select few that want to go on and wrestle um at the world olympic level it you know that that pathway would really be freestyle and that is what they chose and my understanding from conversations with joan and others is that they fought really hard to have women's wrestling be freestyle so um now the question becomes we have six states with sanctioned girls high school wrestling and folk style we're adding um Several more um, have announced um, Kansas and Georgia, um, and a third we, we think we'll be announcing very soon. So we have more states that are um, having girls' state championships, and their numbers are going to grow in the next five to ten years. You know, those states that are that are sanctioning girls' wrestling, they haven't even gotten close to their, their growth potential yet. So that – and they will be in folk style. So we – we in this wrestling community get in this kind of face-off about folk style and freestyle. Well, scholastic and collegiate wrestling was built uh, through boys, boys and men's participation, and that process was streamlined with folk style. Well, the leadership at the women's collegiate level had the vision for it to be freestyle. Does that put us at odds with styles? Does that put the folk style people on one side and the freestyle people on the other? That's not really what we want. Um, uh, Joan and I have been looking for what would be the middle ground, what would be the most common sense, because really our scholastic institutions, are they're really not, um, they're not feeder programs into college. You know, most, most of the kids that wrestle in our high school programs will never see a, see a state tournament. Most of them aren't going to go and compete in college. They're there to learn and enjoy and compete in the sport of wrestling in a, in a learning environment. So. Um, what do we do about the girls? Because now we have a, we have a bit of a, um, a pathway disruption. The boys don't have the pathway disruption. So what do we do as we're growing girls wrestling and we're adding more uh, states with sanctioned wrestling? Um, I think that there are, there's the potential 
for some middle ground, and that could come in the form of, of some rules modifications. Um, that would have to be a kind of an innovative and progressive and visionary group that would be willing to start uh, pushing their state forward to be a little more in line with what the girls' opportunities are at the collegiate level. Um, I think that it's not a discussion that people should be afraid of. Um, it doesn't have to be this contentious debate between, you know, freestyle and folk style. I think it's a conversation that we need to have, that we need to put out on the table. And I really think that there's just some common sense things that the state uh, associations could do to make sure that the pathway for girls um, makes sense and that it is one that is supportive of what their collegiate opportunities are, even though they realize the majority of the girls wrestling their state will not go on uh, to compete in college. Joan, as it relates to uh, this, this discussion, it makes sense, though, that even if, uh, if, 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 say if, say if it's folk style, the opportunity is there to work with, the, of course, this is the USA Wrestling Committee, to work with those state associations. And if you look where these girls' high school state tournaments have been put, I'm just looking at it, uh, they're almost all in very organized USA wrestling states. So, uh, you know, California brings huge numbers out to Fargo and, and you know, they're, they're winning the junior and they're winning the junior women's duels all the time. So uh, that right there seems to be like that a, a, a potential uh, a gap bridger, so to speak. It's like, hey, well, you know what? We can work really closely with our women's leaders in our respective states to kind of make sure to, to maybe find that middle ground or that that uh, that compromise or, or of sorts that Andrew's talking about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these are ideas, literally, Jason, that we have just been pulling together in the last two weeks almost, huh, Andrea? Just <laughs> working with yeah. So we're, su- we're, we're, we're we breaking the news. We're timely here. This is great. <laughs> Seriously, we had a state call, and uh, they were doing a meeting, and they wanted some more information on it because there are a lot of groups that are saying it's got to be freestyle. It's got to be freestyle. But we know, just like Andrea so well stated, you know, these are scholastic programs that oversee, you know, the, the, the sport of wrestling. And while some may try to look at, you know, how do we go freestyle? I mean, New York State or New York City does a spring freestyle program for the girls. But they also have girls wrestling on boys teams in the winter and they do blended teams in the winter. And that, that's New York City, not New York State. They're not moving that quickly yet. And, uh, Massachusetts, probably in 213, tried to put in a spring season, and it just didn't go, you know, a different season. So what we know is working is that with all the schools getting ones and twos and threes and fours until they can build a full team of girls wrestling, that they are going to be in that boys program, and they are going to be under that boys scholastic, you know, association that each state runs. So we really realized, as Andrew said, the bulk of the girls are going to go through those programs. and they all want their state to run a girl's state championship. I mean, how exciting is that, you know, to be like the boys in the state and have that opportunity to be a state champion. And right now, you know, the girls pathway is pretty challenging. They're on the boys teams and they may wrestle. They may not. Uh, Some definitely hold varsity positions, but then trying to go up through the qualifying system to be able to be able to excel and be a state champion. That's a tough journey. So the states are realizing, hey, number one, you know, and Andrew and I truly believe this, we need the girls off the boys' mats. And the other part of that is our young adolescent males 
should not have to wrestle girls. You know, it's a two-way street. So we've really been, you know, looking at that and pushing that, that premise that we also need to take care of our young adolescent males. Because we know the girls that are wrestling. And, and Jason, if you have 200 girls in a state that's wrestling on a weekend, now that's 400 young boys that are going to wrestle a girl, and they're not all losing. So, how do, you know, we need to take a strong look at that. I, I love Ian McDonald, who's up in Canada. We talked probably a year and a half ago about their program. And when they started, they said, hey, we know the girls are going to be in practice with the boys, but we never envisioned mixed competition. We always knew the girls would have their own competition. And he said, we kind of looked down at the U.S. and went, what are you doing? You know, I know Lee stated and and wrote a wonderful article in the early 2000s that just said, you know, the rest of the world kind of looks at us and and says, what are you doing? You know, with all these girls wrestling boys and, you know, truly girls, if they win, they can get some publicity. And, you know, for some of them trying to, to, you know, Go to the boys' state is a is a big goal, but in the long run, when we want to grow the sport for girls, we want to have successful programs, and we want those young ladies, once they enjoy the sport, we want them to return and be those coaches and be those officials at that high school level and move forward, you know, into national competition if they choose. But we want them to be excited about the sport and have an equal uh, opportunity to wrestle their own gender. That way, parents have less objections, and we certainly would have a lot more girls come out when they know they can wrestle their own gender. I mean, it takes, I know Sarah said years ago, for a young lady to put on that singlet, go to the center of the match, shake hands, and then do combat with a male, that that takes a unique personality. And it's really not what they want to do. They want to love this sport, and they want to compete in this sport without having to go head-to-head combat with, you know, the opposite gender. You know, there have been situations uh, in the past, you know, Deanna Ricks was was in the state finals in Maine. Rachel Hale won a, a state title in Vermont. Michaela Hutchison up in Alaska was the first girl to win a high school state championship mm-hmm. against the boys. I remember uh, you've seen Helen Marula's place against the boys, Nicole Woody. Uh, there's There's been those instances where those those wrestlers placed at their boys' state tournaments, but that's not drawing girls out to wrestle. Uh, okay, yes, yeah, the super the superwoman does great, but that's that's the anomaly versus the norm. Uh, Andrea, has, has that been your experience in seeing uh, your wrestlers come through in that that fashion? All all the girls on my team, you know, they're, they're competing against girls every weekend, and then we are qualifying in for um, you know our girl state. But when I look at other states where I'm seeing girls um, take third place fourth place they're qualifying for state one of the things i notice is that it is at some of the lightest weight classes um so you might have you know a third year female wrestler um maybe she's been wrestling since she's seven years old and she's still wrestling you know she's more experienced maybe you know great strength training doing all the things she's supposed to be doing as a junior and she's wrestling that lowest weight class and she might be wrestling someone who's, you know, just started two years ago, um, a boy that in, in, in three years' time won't be at 100 pounds. Um, so, yes, we are going to see and we have seen girls that have been able to find a measure of success uh, in a boys' state championship. But what we really want is we want for her to have 
the same opportunity for total success, which is to be a state champion. And um, the, the best way for her and all the other hundreds um, and we hope thousands of girls that will be wrestling in their state is that the most competitive pathway for them, the best way for them to have the most success um, is to be competing against um, their own gender. So um, we're, we're going to continue to see girls wrestling in boys, uh, in boys state championship. Montana, uh, I believe it was Montana, they actually had two girls. This is the first time this ever happened. They had two girls wrestle each other at the Boys State Championship. And I guess the crowd went wild. The crowd thought it was great. Everyone was like, really thought it was amazing. So it was, it was, a, it was a great moment of visibility for these are amazing girls and look at what they've done. And they're here competing, you know, on our state championship. And there was another girl, uh, Thailand Vasquez, that I believe placed fourth. Um, so one of the things that happens is the girls are getting visibility at that state championship level. Um, we want we don't we want that to be a driver. We want people to see that, and we want them to say, you know, what what would it take to get more girls to start wrestling? And if we got more girls to start wrestling, we could just have them compete against each other instead of you know having them go through our our boys qualification process. So. Um, um, I think that that event got people thinking. Uh, I think it got people talking. I think it got coaches talking. I think that there's some uh, great people in the state of Montana that are starting to put their heads together and they're starting to get organized and look at how can we create more opportunities for girls. Um, but, you know, until, until each state grows and gets to the point where they can have their own girls' state championship, we will continue to see girls uh, make it into the Boys State Championship. Maya, um, uh, Maya, I can't think of her last name all of a sudden out of Colorado. Maya Nelson. Uh, Maya Nelson. If you look at her record at the state, at the Boys State Championship, she came in at one of the lower weight classes. I think she went 0-2 that first year. She grew a little. She got, became, you know, be, starts becoming a more skilled wrestler. I think she went you know, like um, one and two the next year, and I think one and two the year after that, she got bigger. It just gets tougher. Um, and so, you know, I look at her and I'm thinking, gosh, you know, maybe her first and sec- her first year out, she would have been state championship, a uh, state champion if she were competing against girls. Um, but these girls, you know, this is this is part of the fight. You know, these girls could just say to themselves, well, it's just not worth it. I'm just not going to do it. But I think what it boils down to for them, and I know this is what it boiled down to for me, I want to do this sport badly enough that I am not going to let this, I'm not going to let competing against the boy stop me. This is what I want to do. This is my, this is my athletic dream. This is my athletic passion. If I have to wrestle boys, um, I'm going to do what I got to do. But we don't want that moving forward. We want to grow girls' opportunities, so that's not something, that's not a decision that they have to make. So I guess maybe a better way to even rephrase that, that question <laughs> that led to it is, even though it's, <laughs> even though it's freestyle and, and we're talking senior level, when, when you're talking about girls wanting to be a state champion, seeing Helen Maroulis win a gold medal at the Olympics, beating another Olympic champion to do it, and probably <laughs> one of the best to, wrestlers ever to walk the planet, that's more inspirational 
than say, hey, the girl from your local high school took six at the boys tournament. Yo, for sure. I I think. Um, I mean, it's really. I, I realize think, that's a loaded scenario, but <laughs> one of the things we talked about when we we put information out to states and whether it's an executive director or, or grassroots is visual. It's so important to provide female versus female competition. So even no no matter how small the numbers might be at a tournament, we need coaches, we need parents, and we need those male wrestlers on a team to watch girls wrestling girls. You know, we've just got to get that out. It can't be that phenomenon that we saw so often, you know, especially early days and even now, where the girl beats the boy and there's all the publicity. We want those parents, as coaches, we want them to see the excitement of girls wrestling girls. In Tennessee, I talked with their state executive director in January, and he said, when we have those girls wrestling at the state championship, because it's all, you know, every division is there in one central location, he said, when the girls are wrestling, the crowd moves to that area. He said, it is amazing how exciting it is for the crowd to watch. And another great story that I heard from Tennessee was a school that had never had a wrestling champion. When they got their first state champion at that high school, it was a female. And that was the first champion in any sport that they'd had at that school. And he said, you know, look what happened. It was so much pride and so much excitement. So we just have to get that out there. People have to see it and get away from the girl versus the boy you know, phenomenon and, and realize that girls wrestling is exciting. We've seen that grow all through, you know, the years at, at our national level, how much excitement, uh, you know, is there when the, when the females are wrestling each other. So visual, you know, critical, really important to uh, push the sport. I realize I've kind of buried the lead here as we talk about the the point of this episode, <laughs> and it's, uh, it is about <laughs> sanctioning high school wrestling. So uh, we've got the toolkit on, TheMat.com, the Women's Wrestling Resources, there's the sanctioning toolkit, there's the history of the programs. And so I, I guess step by step, what what are the, the, the ways um, this organization, your group is going through to sanction uh, the high school wrestling at the girls level? And where do you reach out? Where do people reach out to you? Where is where's the step to say, hey, we've got a, we've got 30 girls in our club and we know there's another girls club 20 minutes down the road. They have 30 girls. To to get say wrestling, you know, Iowa's got a pretty good collection of girls high school wrestlers, yet they don't have it sanctioned yet. So uh, maybe Iowa, you know, insert state here. What is the process that you guys have been going through to get girls high school wrestling sanctioned, and what can people do to help? Well, Andrea, both of us can jump in on this. You know, we had eight uh, different recommendations that we have for states, and one way, you know, they can contact us. You know. Uh, Jason, we use Facebook a lot. Uh, we I, did, also I didn't have realize with, that. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's how we set this interview because up, in case it, you're wondering. Right, right. You know, if we see a state is moving forward, we just find out the key person there. So in a lot of states that are really trying to push girls wrestling, we have already reached out and found contact people and, and talk with them. Uh, we have committee recommendations. One thing we did, we uh, created Andrea put together a great survey, and we sent that out to all the state uh, executive directors back in the fall through the NFHS. So with that information that came back to us, we have put together eight uh, recommendations uh, that we feel are really important for states to use. And these are the tools that we try to give those grassroots committee, as well as the state executive directors. And so it can come both ways. We found that if a state 
has a great person that's their wrestling liaison at the state level, that person can make a world of difference. And a lot of states, as we look at models of how to get girls wrestling going, when we look at those states that have a key person uh, at the scholastic level working and ready to create, you know, a girls advisory committee or ready to help make some regulations that help the uh, coaches realize girls can go to girls tournaments without, you know, a, an event count against the boys team. So all those things are kind of critical key points. But, but we created these recommendations. And one of the biggest thing is just encouraging states to start girls tournaments. If you have 30 girls show up at a tournament, a large boys tournament, match them up. You know, pull them together, uh, start a girls division at a boys tournament, start standalone tournaments, uh, create an advisory committee to state level. And some states have done exhibition tournaments. Andrew, you might want to talk about that at, at the Washington level, but um, I might be kind of jumping off, you know, the wrong side of the cliff there, Jason. But they can also contact us, you know, whether it's Facebook or if they go to the website, there is a uh, girl sanctioning email address that they can contact us uh, at. Uh, Andrea, jump in. What have I missed on that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, again, Joan and I, have, we part of, you know, a big part of our mission is to make sure that everyone involved, uh, whether you're on the state association side or whether you're maybe that parent or coach that wants to try um, to start getting something going. One of the things that's been really, um, that Joan and I have been doing is making sure they have all of the national information, like all of the NSHS statistics, all the USA wrestling statistics on exactly how many girls are participating per state and nationwide in wrestling, um, giving them the histories of the six states that have sanctioned, I think it's really important to realize that we talk about sanctioning high school girls wrestling. Um, sanctioning is a, like a process that is used if, say, I want to add um, in a state that doesn't have boys lacrosse, we want to add boys lacrosse. That is a sanctioning process. You are entering um, a brand new sport into your um, association system. But wrestling, in almost all of the states um, already exists. It's already operating. We already have officials in place. Um, and so we encourage people to look at it from the point of view of, we're, we're really asking for a division under an existing program. And so that changes um, kind of the attitude and the process and, and how people approach it. So getting information uh, correct information uh, into people's hands is one thing that we do. Um, the other thing that we do is we, if if there, if there's uh, someone out there that is a prominent, you know, person from that state and wants to support girls wrestling, we help connect uh, that person with the grassroots people. Um, we, um, I've put together a survey uh, that was used in Utah recently. That's uh, another type of service that we can provide. Um, but it's really just about supporting those people with whatever they need to be successful. And we really want everyone to be successful. We want the association um, to be successful in championing opportunities for girls. And we want the grassroots people to be successful in championing these opportunities for girls. So uh, we, we try to work with everyone um, and um, 
We've had some great opportunities to do presentations with the NFHS recently that I, I think was a really, really positive uh, way for us to connect with those executive directors. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of phone, phone conversations with people on how to get started. Uh, we have a lot of phone conversations with people about where they are in the process. But, you know, once these people get going and once they realize what their association needs to move forward, they're doing such a great job. Um, and, then, and then we just, uh, we kind of watch and wait and see uh, how it's going to go and what else they, the, they could need for us. What's what's the key points? What are the things that your your pitch points when talking about the benefits of women's wrestling, the the relationship to getting them into college, and of course that ultimate goal of an Olympic medal? Oh yeah, well you know I I think when we're talking to our young people, whether it's girls or boys, but definitely with our girls, um, you know I I believe that wrestling is a transformative um, sport. I believe that it is a lifestyle. Um, I believe that. Um, you know, if if you want to, if you want to excel at the highest levels um, of wrestling, whether that's your state moving on to college, moving you know into our USA wrestling system, um, one of the things I'm really glad about is that um, you know we we're doing a great job of making sure that um, we have opportunities through USA wrestling through clubs and um, and our grassroots and our our. Our Fargo women's teams are getting tougher and bigger. Um, we have our three national turns. We have, we are, we really have um, expanded at the top, you know, collegiately USA wrestling. We've expanded a lot of opportunities. Um, the key point uh, being that, you know, if if you want to if you want to have a collegiate and a senior level pathway as a girl, now you have it, you've got to take advantage of all those opportunities. You've got to take advantage of what USA California or USA Washington or USA Montana has to offer you. Um, not only from a competitive standpoint, but the ability to connect and build relationships with other people is so important to moving forward through wrestling. Um, and that just doesn't happen if you're just staying in your local space. Um, getting to wrestling camp, getting to a wrestle like a girl camp, getting to um, you know uh, any kind of camp that's going to help you, um, and then making connections with uh, collegiate coaches. Um, I think a lot of the times I hear the girls feeling like, well, no one's recruited me yet, and I'm like, well, you don't have to wait to be recruited. Contact the schools. Uh, that you're interested in and start communicating with them. Um, and then obviously, you know, USA Wrestling puts together some phenomenal development camps throughout the year, and they open those to all cadet and junior level girls. Taking advantage of those um, opportunities to, you know, be with Team USA, learn from Coach Steiner, learn from Emma Randall, learn from Clarissa Chun, um, and all the wonderful, um, amazing volunteers that they bring in. So, you know, the key points are always the same. You, there are opportunities around you. You have to find them, and you've got to take them. And I think that we need to do a better job of making sure that girls understand what all the opportunities are. We have a lot of, of people out there that don't understand. We have 45 colleges and universities that are offering women's wrestling. 
They don't know that the NAIA has sanctioned. They don't know that there's an emerging sport application for women's wrestling in the NCAA. So we have some educating to do on our side. Um, and you talked about Wrestle Like a Girl, which is such a phenomenal organization that has um, really, you know, launched some visibility for girls wrestling. Uh, the NC or the NWCA is also doing a phenomenal job of talking more about women's wrestling. The National Wrestling Hall of Fame is, is also um, got very, very positive messages about women's wrestling. Um, and then obviously USA Wrestling is, um, you know, our national governing body take, uh, taking a lead on growing opportunities for girls. So um, the key points are take those opportunities. You have to find them. If you, if you don't know what the opportunities are, call USA Wrestling. And we'll be able to help you understand um, what's available to you as a girl uh, wrestling and how you can get to the top. Of course, on that page at themat.com in the women's wrestling section. The the email, though, it's usawgirlssanctioning at gmail.com. That's a quick way to get a line to both of you about this. And, uh, Joan, as, as we wrap up here on this episode, a lot of, a lot of things that are still in the works with this committee what would you say uh, is, I guess, it's again, kind of a loaded question, uh, the immediate goal for 2018-2019 uh, in terms of uh, numbers of states? I mean, do you guys have have a number in mind? I mean, what, what are those uh, goals for this committee? You bet. Right now, we just, we're just thrilled that Georgia and Oregon uh, have voted in to uh, hold that girls' state championship, that Colorado is in a two-year pilot program. And they will also run a girls' state championship uh, this next year. So we feel we have three states there. Where Kansas is moving through the process and got their first vote uh, to push forward to the next step in June for another vote. And then into the fall, uh, we have a lot of states that are moving forward. Missouri, we're waiting to hear from uh, some votes and to see if they're going to uh, possibly have a state championship. But we have Wisconsin in the process of, of moving forward proposals. We have Illinois doing a great job, Virginia, uh, Minnesota's getting started, uh, Wyoming, Utah, uh, even Idaho are saying, hey, we're going to start running girls tournaments. So New York also is you know, in the process. Uh, we just have a lot of states where there are excited grassroots people just pushing forward and making sure girls have opportunities. It's hardly a day that goes by that you don't see some groups saying, you know, like today, Indiana said, hey, last year we had 25 to, to maybe 29 girls at our, our freestyle state. This year they're already at 40 pre-registered, and they were super excited. So, and, and the other part is to see the coaches who are finally having those girls on those teams get really excited about girls wrestling, ones that just, you know, before just kind of said, eh, and then they get those girls that just want to wrestle, and they see that it's no different. Their love, their devotion, the excitement, uh, and the opportunities, uh, you know, they, they just want to provide new opportunities for the girls. So these are all states that, that we're working with in some capacity and uh, really excited to see more states moving forward. But uh, it's possible to even double our number this year. We're just waiting on, on some good votes coming through. So that's that's kind of where we are. That's uh, the excitement, and we just keep moving forward and providing as many resources as we have the opportunity to to pull together. And if a state needs something that we haven't worked on yet, 
just like the uh, freestyle folk style of today. <laughs> you know, we'll start working on some resources on it. Seriously, we, we just, uh, Monday night, we kind of said, yes, let's let this first initial draft move forward. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we kind of got our ideas pulled together. We kind of laughed, but hundreds of hours, Andrew and I have spent in the last two years uh, talking about how to move forward. And uh, it's just exciting. It's fun. It's exciting. And we're just thrilled at all the great people in, in, in the U.S. that are starting to realize girls need to wrestle girls. Uh, it's, it's time. It's time. We like to say, hey, the key to growing wrestling is standing right in front of you. It's her. And we've already had states tell us that now girls on boys' wrestling teams their younger brothers are coming to the sport. So I always like to say, we hope that welcome mat to the wrestling room is visible and not kind of, you know, over to the side. And, and we need to open that door and let those young ladies come in. But Andrea's right. We have a lot of education uh, to, to do. We need a lot of coaches education and we need to educate, you know, states and uh, state associations to the fact that, that girls are ready to wrestle. Jason, they're already wrestling on teams. They're already on, you know, competing for regional and state championships. It's not like they're a club sport. They're already holding varsity positions in every state in the U.S. So we just need to provide those new opportunities for more girls to, to step onto the mat. Andrea, I'm going to wrap it up with you because, uh, you know, you went through <laughs> this situation uh, without this type of resource. You came through as a wrestler with, as you said, you didn't wrestle very many girls until you you went to these camps and and then all of a sudden okay now I'm, I'm going to be wrestling the world championships not that long after that when you look <laughs> yeah when you look at the opportunities that are still growing for girls that love the sport terry steiner says this is a great sport i'm paraphrasing why do we want to just limit it to, to half of the population I, I believe something along those yeah. lines but when you look yeah. at what you guys are doing do you ever stop and, and get emotional realizing, wow, I, I wish I would have had that now that you are actually somebody that's leading a change for these girls that, you know, to give them an opportunity that, that you had to really fight for? Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, my look, I look back on my I look back on my high school experience with, you know, great feelings. I had a great coach, got to be a part of a great team. I had great experiences, but I know that my experience and my success would have been drastically different had I had the opportunity uh, to compete against girls. Um, and so, uh, yeah, Coach Steiner is right. You know, why, why wouldn't we want these girls on the team? And what John said is, is, is even happening in my wrestling room where one of the, a couple of the girls on our team, their brothers, who never would have considered wrestling before are actually now, you know, turning out for um, our club program. And so, you know, I, I really kind of feel like we're, we're, we're going to come full circle. Um, we're going to become the inclusive sport that we were always wanting to be. Um, uh, every once in a while, as Joan and I have gone along and we meet people and we find out what they're doing and we, we discover you know, in New Mexico, they did something phenomenal. They just basically surveyed all their coaches. How many girls do you have? Okay. Uh, what weight classes? Okay. Uh, rank them by likability. And they actually, at their boys' state tournament, had a girls' tournament. Um, 
and they had eight, uh, I believe it was eight weight classes and eight man brackets. And these girls got to compete at state. So when we learn about stories like this and we see what people are doing, it really makes our work, you know, um, we're just so proud and so appreciative to be able to support these people and make sure that that one girl on the team becomes five girls on the team, becomes a full team, becomes a league, becomes a state championship. So um, I'm, I'm very appreciative to have the opportunity to do this kind of work. Um, I'm very appreciative of and grateful for all the people that are helping Joan and I to become better in, in these roles that we volunteered for. And I am immensely excited about what is happening and the, the future of wrestling uh, with the inclusion of women is looking really, really bright. Um, you know, I, I think our best days, uh, we might be in them and they're, and they're, getting, even, they're getting even better. Uh, so it's, um, it's a really great time to be a part of this process. Um, and uh, I feel very fortunate that I'm, I'm able to, to be able to participate. And to find out more about it, again, go to themat.com. Over the menu that says women, you can drop down. There's all sorts of things there. But right there in the menu, high school sanctioning resources, of course, you can uh, contact uh, them via email, usawgirlssanctioning at gmail.com. And I just want to thank you both. I, I love what you guys are doing. And, uh, you know, I've been an advocate for women's wrestling ever since, uh, again, seeing Mary Kelly wrestle against the boys for the first time. and. <laughs> You know, realize it's not just oh, it's it's not an anomaly. This is this is the regular thing. This is a norm. Uh, we're we're seeing it. I mean, one of the most proud achievements I've had as as a PA announcer in the sport of wrestling was being able to say, "Please rise for the national anthem of the United States." When Helen Marulis wins that gold medal, I'm crying my eyes out trying to keep it together. So uh, it was it was it's it's powerful. It's emotional. It's it. it teaches everybody lessons, boys and girls. So, uh, Joan and Andrea, I want to thank you for your time and, and thank you for reaching out because this is a, a quality topic that I think needs to, needs to get out there. And, uh, I appreciate, uh, Joan, you reaching out directly and Andrea, your, your knowledge as being a competitor and, uh, and what it took, uh, back in the day and, and what you guys are doing to give back. So, uh, I know on behalf of the wrestling community, I appreciate your time and, and thanks for coming on the program. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Wow, a lot of great things happening with women's wrestling out there. Thanks to Joan and Andrea for coming on the program and give us an update on this committee from USA Wrestling and uh, shows what we've got, all sorts of fronts battling to give girls more opportunities for women's wrestling. We've got Wrestle Like a Girl. We've got the uh, high school committee here with USA Wrestling. Joan and Andrea really doing a tremendous job in getting our state associations to sanction women's wrestling. Matter of fact, as we release this on May the 24th, Arizona just announced that it was adding women's wrestling, girls wrestling as a sport. So that's another state that picked up that uh, we actually didn't get to here as we recorded this uh, initially around May the 4th, and there's been a lot of topics come up in between. We've had uh, the Bella Glazov Camp Tour, which you heard on the most recent episode of the Short Time Wrestling Podcast with Nancy Schultz. Truman State situation, I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, we've also had, uh, we're still battling Eastern Michigan things. And, uh, oh yeah, I went down to World Team Trials and uh, had had a lot of fun announcing the event in Rochester. Now. Before we get to uh, the Truman State situation, I do want to point out that there was some uh, Twitter chatter about women's wrestling from one of my favorite sparring partners, Ms. Nancy Hogshead Maycar. And if you followed me on Twitter for a number of years, you know that me and her have uh, have sparred uh, rather, you know, when we when we get into it, we get into it. 
And uh, she blocked me on Twitter a couple years ago, so we haven't had the opportunity to uh, exchange pleasantries recently. But she did tweet something out the other day that was sent to me about uh, giving credit to Wrestle Like a Girl, which it does deserve, but not giving any credit to USA Wrestling. And that is absolutely false. Because USA Wrestling, if any organization has been beneficial to women's wrestling, it's been USA Wrestling. They're the ones sanctioning the girls' tournaments, both folk style and freestyle. They're the one putting together the Olympic teams. Uh, to, to say USA Wrestling hasn't done anything uh, to really spur high school women's wrestling, that would be absolutely false. As a matter of fact, uh, USA Wrestling has been one of the key organizations leading the charge with the Women's Collegiate Wrestling Association. Uh, yeah, so don't come at... USA Wrestling, as I said, full disclosure, former employee, don't come at USA Wrestling and say they've sat on their hands since 2002. That's just absolutely false. But then again, these days we never let facts get in the way of a good narrative. I would be remiss to not mention the USGWA, which also did a lot for girls wrestling and getting the folk style national tournaments and things of that nature. So they also had done a great job in promoting women's wrestling so it's not just usa wrestling that's the whole point it's not just wrestle like a girl it's also usa wrestling it was groups like the usgwa uh, years ago before it folded but that's the point it's more than just one front that's really fighting for women's wrestling and to, to basically take a shot at usa wrestling is uh, is disingenuous to the fight so thank you very much moving to truman state now i had their athletic director jerry walmering on uh, a couple weeks ago to talk about the drop. And again, I, I give him a lot of credit for coming on the program because uh, other people can basically ignore the media and say, we have nothing. Oh, we turned down your request and, and fail to answer the hard questions. Yeah, we're looking at you, Scott Weatherby. We're looking at you, Eastern Michigan, who has continued to just look completely stupid in promoting their athletes and all of their great... The APR report came out yesterday. Yeah, let's promote all these athletes that we're getting rid of. I even saw a tweet yesterday... Uh, one of their athletes got a tweet saying, "Hey, you want to be a want to talk about grad school?" And it was it was sent to one of their athletes that they had just caught. Be like, "Why do I want to stay here? You don't want me here." Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to read this letter that was first post that I first saw it on MissouriWrestling.com. And big props to Jonathan Dixon and the crew at MissouriWrestling.com, who's really been on top of this, and, and they've been kind of pushing this on social. They've been pushing this on the website. So this from Coach David Shooter an email that was sent out to the Truman State Wrestling alumni and fans. I am just going to read it here. So before I do that, I'm going to take a big, deep breath and a gulp of water. Bad podcasting 101. Hold on, folks. All right, so I will follow up with the AD on their stance on this here uh, in the coming weeks. But here we go. The letter, this was dated, uh, let's see, Tuesday. That would be, what, 22nd. As most of you are aware, the Truman State Administration announced several weeks ago that they will discontinue men's wrestling and tennis at the completion of the 2017-18 year. I've subsequently been able to meet with the president who has agreed to allow the team to compete one more year with the caveat that we can raise $75,000 by October 18th. Let's remember that. $75,000 October 18th. Further, she has also agreed to allowing our team to compete after 2018-19. If we can raise an endowment by March of 2019, that can make Truman Wrestling self-sufficient. As you can imagine, I am also disappointed in the way this decision was made. The university administrators are supposed to be stewards of the university on behalf of the alumni, students, and faculty. With this in mind, how does a decision like this be made without any transparency, collaboration, and inclusion with the key stakeholders? Question mark. Absolutely. 
We're asking the same questions at Eastern Michigan. Now, continuing on with the letter. In tandem with the decision, I've been in contact with Mike Moyer, the executive director of the National Wrestling Coaches Association. Mike has been very successful over the past 19 years with establishing new college programs, adding 197 new teams since 2000. Uh, That number is actually well above uh, 200 now. As well as saving threatened college programs, Mike is communicating with several lobbyist lawyers, Truman State student government, and prominent politicians to develop a viable strategy to keep our wrestling program going. As Mike is developing a viable strategy, he needs to know how much in donations we can count on from Truman State alumni and friends for each of the next five years to support the wrestling program. Ideally, it would be terrific if we could raise $100,000 per year for each of the next five years, but not sure that's feasible given our alumni base. It will take more than just current TSU wrestling alumni and friends to get this accomplished. To be clear, we need solid five-year pledges at this point as opposed to actual donations. Then Mike Moyer can successfully negotiate a partnership with the administration. Then we would need to actually connect, collect rather, the donations. In reality, the administration should meet the alumni halfway, fifty grand each, but uh, that's reality. Please respond promptly to this email with a solid five-year pledge so we can enter a good-faith negotiation with Truman and their administrators. Please email pledges to David Shooter, wrestling coach at Shooter. That's S-C-H-U-T-T-E-R at Truman. Dot edu. Thank you for your prompt consideration of this request. Please call me if you need any more details. And that's Coach Shooter. You can uh, drop a donation in the mail to Truman State University Wrestling, care of Wrestling Office PB307, David Shooter, head wrestling coach. Or, as he's even said, if you don't want to trust the athletic department, send it directly to him, David E. Shooter, 2500 State Route P, or State Route, depending on your pronunciation, Kirksville, Missouri, Six three five zero one. Go to MissouriWrestling.com if you want to read all of that in detail. That being said, we're moving on. We've got oh, a lot of good stuff here on the network, on the mat, releasing a show recently with Pat Papalizio. And, of course, we're going to work through with Five Point Move. They're going to get some Greco-Roman World Team trials, um, World Teamers when they get their trials all done. Final X coming up in Lincoln State College and Bethlehem. I will be at all three. Information on those events at FinalX.TV. Uh, you know, you can get the matchups there. Flow Wrestling has also basically uh, got most of your information there. You can find it on social, of course, Matt.com as well. So, whew, yeah, busy weekend. Voice stayed up, and uh, we're having a good old time. So that's basically what I've got today. Last thing I'm going to say is I'm doing this research project right now where I'm trying to track down the hometowns and home states, and in some cases, countries, of every single collegiate all-american now i have to put a couple asterisks on that one i don't know if i have the junior college records or or if there's going to be a way to even track down the junior colleges but i am about i don't even know math Uh, i've got about 500 names left 560 names left on my naia project which had uh, 4,381 all-americans to track down ed ewalt a retired wrestling coach out in illinois had these old binders these mimeograph sheets and Picked them up from from the Gable Museum a couple years ago, and they're stacked up. They're old blue, like the the binders, the three ring binders have that like canvas type on it, and they got the purple and white sheets, mimeograph sheets. It's like he used to keep track of this stuff. So without Ed's work and his donation to the hall, I wouldn't have been able to even start this project. So there's about uh, 25 years I had to pick up at the end of his work, and then fact checking and double checking and uh, pronunciations, cross referencing results that didn't work with my initial list and uh, with, with amateur wrestling news. 
it's just been been a labor. So uh, hopefully the NAI will be done by the end of the month. I'm taking some time away from putting out a ton of shows just to make sure that this historical uh, research is done. I'm going to do that with Division Two, II, Division Three. I've already done it with Division One. And uh, if you're interested in seeing that data, you can become a patron of the Matt Talk Podcast Network going to matttalkonline.com slash contribute. If you hit the Patreon level and hit a certain level, you will get access to that digital sandbox. I have it on the Matt Talk Almanac page at almanac.madtalkonline.com. A lot of stuff there is free, like the Drop Project. But all this research that I'm doing and all the historical stuff and the stats and the lists, that's over at the Almanac. And if you uh, you want to get access to that sandbox, that's one of the perks of membership. So madtalkonline.com slash contribute. Also, again, I'd like to thank Aaron Swayze. He gave me, his vote is in. He he says, I don't know. Actually, did he say draft glass? I don't, I'm probably just going to go with a pint glass and change the color. Maybe go with the frosted white. So you get access to that. You get shirts. You get hats. You get stickers. You know, for your support of this program. That's basically all I got today. Again, that's uh, matttalkonline.com slash contribute. If you want to go straight to the Patreon, matttalkonline.com slash join the team. I'd like to thank you for spending your time with me. Women's wrestling is a quality thing to get behind. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a father of two girls. Whether they wrestle or not, that's uh, that's their prerogative. But just a great sport, and it is one that 100 percent of the population should be able to enjoy and compete for a high school state championship. We're growing, we're growing. Thanks to Joan and Andrea for their time and their understanding and their dedication to the sport of wrestling. I'd like to thank you for spending your time with me because. The Short Time Wrestling Podcast is proudly outfitted by Compound Clothing. Shirts, singlets, custom gear orders, everything you need. Call up Cliff and the crew at cmpteamwear.com. First time listening? Well, you can change that by going to matttalkonline.com slash getshorttime to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or listen on your favorite podcatcher at matttalkonline.com slash listen. This show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.